0: What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I'm your host JT. We're back at you guys again. We had some technical difficulties with the previous two live streams, but it looks like we finally got things going now. On this episode, I'm really excited to talk about these upcoming topics, man. The New York Jets are going to be featured on Hard Knocks we're going to get to see aaron Rodgers and how he's going to be handling his situation and the big apple behind the scenes and then i got to give my thoughts on the 49ers quarterback controversy again man because i've been going back and forth with a lot of people on social media and i really don't understand why people are considering this situation a controversy when the answer is pretty obvious who should be starting anthony richardson is getting overdrafted in fantasy football i was doing a fantasy football draft a couple of nights ago this past weekend right and i was expecting anthony richardson to be available around round eight or nine There are people out there drafting Anthony Richardson in round four or five. He's going like a QB eight, QB nine. And listen, I have a lot of confidence in Anthony Richardson going into this year, but from a fantasy football standpoint, it's a huge risk making Anthony Richardson your QB one. So I'm going to explain to you guys why Anthony Richardson is being a little bit overvalued by the fantasy football community. The Texans are the Colts. Which team is going to be better this season? Could the Steelers win the AFC North this year? They currently are the least favorite team to win the AFC North this year. When you think about the Cleveland Browns, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Baltimore Ravens, most people believe that those three teams have a better team than the Steelers. And the Steelers don't have a bad team. It's just that it's just such a talented division. So, Many people think there's a possibility that they could finish behind the Browns in fourth place in the AFC North, but I'm going to explain to you guys why the Steelers potentially could win the AFC North this year. And lastly, we're going to be talking about the Razorbacks, man. How good is Arkansas football going to be in 2023? Before we get into it, if you haven't already, make sure that you go ahead Like the video, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Also, make sure that you catch our live stream that we have going on later today if you're listening to this live with college football with sam we're going to be discussing big 10 football georgia's potential three and potentially what could be the implications if ohio state loses three straight to michigan so make sure that you guys go ahead and tune in for that one listen to the podcast available on all podcasting platforms we're not just on youtube you can find us on apple google spotify amazon wherever you get your podcasts from you can find the jt sports podcast and make sure that you leave us a five-star review we're trying to get to 100 five-star reviews before the college football season and nfl season kick off so go ahead if you support the channel give us a five-star review All you got to do is go to whichever podcasting platform you use, Apple, or Spotify, type in the JT Sports Podcast and it will pop up or you can go down to the description down below, scroll down a little bit and there will be the links to the Apple and Spotify versions of the podcast. The New York Jets are going to be featured on Hard Knocks this year and I'm going to be telling you guys some things that you need to be paying close attention to during this year's edition of Hard Knocks. Now, obviously, the first one is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Everybody knows that Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play this game, and it's going to be a little odd watching him suit up for a different team this season. And plus, he's also going to have a different number. But I'm interested in seeing how he's going to be responding to this adjustment behind the scenes because you know aaron Rodgers is really unique he has a really unique outlook on life and some really interesting perspectives on a lot of different topics and i think that the young roster has gravitated towards Aaron Rodgers. We've been hearing a lot of great things about his relationship and the development that he's making with these receivers and these players. Wanted Aaron Rodgers like they was really happy when Aaron Rodgers got traded to the Big Apple. So, in hard knocks, I want to see how Aaron Rodgers is when the lights are off even though the lights are going to be following him around with the camel crew. But you guys get what I'm trying to say. I want to see who Aaron Rodgers is more off the field because we really don't get to see how he goes about his every day-to-day routine, how he wakes up in the morning, what he does. So I really want to get a personal perspective about Aaron Rodgers' life maybe the media would change their narrative about Aaron Rodgers. So I want to see how Aaron Rodgers is handling this adjustment going from a small market to a big market from green Bay, Wisconsin to New York. So the next thing is that breeze hall, remember him? He was probably the best rookie running back in the league prior to tearing his ACL. And a lot of us fantasy owners, we were really hurt when it happened. So I want to see if Hard Knox is going to put a lot of camera time on Brees Hall making his recovery from that ACL injury because it's not like Brees Hall is just this no-name anybody. It's like this dude was going off last year. He was about to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. And then he ends up tearing his ACL, missing the remainder of his rookie season. Like, we got to see how Brees Hall is coming when it goes to his recovery, man. Because running backs coming off ACL injuries, sometimes it could take them a year or two to get back to what they used to be. You know what some people say? You're never the same when you come off an ACL injury. Adrian Peterson is the only phenomenon. So we gotta get some camera time and we need to see Brees Hall and how that rehab is going with that ACL injury. Next up is going to be Sauce Gardner, man. Everybody loves Sauce Gardner. Even though if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, you probably don't like Sauce Gardner because you feel like Tariq Woolen got robbed. But Sauce Gardner is a very entertaining personality. I be watching a lot of his streams on Twitch when he be playing nba 2k and gta 5 so sauce gardner you know he's been getting a lot of praise and a lot of hype from the media well warranted this offseason but there's people who are trying to put him up there with the greats like chant bailey and richard sherman so the hype for sauce gardner has been high for any cornerback that i can remember in all my years watching the nfl going into their second season I mean, he could have a great rookie season and then fall off for all we know. Not saying that's going to happen, but I'm just saying, like, this man has only played one season as a cornerback, and we already trying to put him up in conversations about the greats. I saw one of those start, bench, and trade um, graphics that they be making on Instagram, and it was like start, bench, trade, Richard Sherman, Chan Bailey, and Sauce Gardner, and I'm just looking at this like, what is this? Sauce Gardner should not be up here. Like, I get it. He had a great rookie season, but we got to chill. Like, we got to let him earn a little bit more of his reputation. We know he's one of the best cornerbacks going into this season, but to start trying to call him one of the GOATs, one of the best to ever play, we got to slow down. He needs a little bit more time. But I want to see Sauce Gardner and how his personality is when he's interacting with his teammates during training camp now this is one of the second biggest ones outside of the aaron Rodgers one we got to pay attention to the offensive line now in my opinion i think too many people in the national media are making a big fuss about nothing when it comes to the offensive line because let's be honest you really think these people that spend their time on national media talking about the new york jets are really actually paying attention to their offensive line like their offensive line is not as bad as what people are making it out to be makai Beckton is only viewed in that bus category because he can't stay healthy when he's on the healthy i think he's pretty productive You also have two very solid offensive guards. You got Lincoln Tomlinson. You got Elijah Vera Tucker. Now, I don't know how Dwayne Brown is going to hold up there at left tackle. Like, hopefully he can stay healthy. He is really up there in age. Like, really up there in age. He should be retired. But for some reason, they got him back this season. And he's about to go on his last ride. What probably should be his last ride. And then you got rookie center Joe Titman. Now, Joe Tittman is a guy who, if you're a Jets fan, other than Aaron Rodgers, you really need to be paying attention to. And I really hope that they key in on Joe Tittman. And if you're a member of the Hard Knox Production crew and you're watching this, you need to make sure that Joe Tittman can get some time on camera the reason why is because he's the rookie center for the new york jets and they drafted him in the second round from this past year's nfl draft out of wisconsin and if you guys keep up with the draft and college football a little bit you know that wisconsin is the gold mine for great offensive linemen and if the new york jets are going to be able to not just make it to the playoffs but also win the Super Bowl, they need to have a great offensive line. And Joel Tittman is going to be the key to that. Why do I say that? Because centers, normally, if you have a great one, you have a good offensive line. Prime example: the Philadelphia Eagles with Jason Kelsey. He's one of the greatest, he's one of the greatest centers to ever play this game, still the best center in the NFL. And the Philadelphia Eagles have the best offensive line in the NFL. So most times when you have a great center, your offensive line ends up being great too. Remember when the New York Jets used to have Nick Mangold as their starting center at one point? They normally had pretty solid offensive lines. So if my guy Joe Titman ends up having a really good season this year, this New York Jets offensive line is not going to be a concern. So I wanna see Joe Tittman on camera and I wanna see how he's gonna be adapting from going to Wisconsin to now getting drafted and having to play in the pros. And there is a lot banking on Joe Tittman this year if he ends up getting the starting nod. Like if he's not good, this offensive line is not gonna be as good as what it could be with a great center. Now, Robert Sala, He's the next person that I'm going to be interested in seeing how he looks on Hard Knocks, man. Because one thing about Robert Sala, this dude is a fantastic motivator of men. He's a great leader. And he's one of those coaches who knows how to get you excited for a game. He knows how to get your adrenaline flowing. And I think that he handled the Zach Wilson situation pretty well. Because with the Zach Wilson incident, he could have potentially ended up losing the locker room. So the way that he handled it, the way that he was still able to get this team to play well, despite the Zach Wilson incident and having to you know, calm some players down, I think this dude is a pretty good coach. He kind of reminds me a little bit like Mike Tomlin. So I want to see him on hard knocks because he has one of the toughest jobs in all the sports this year. You got to deal with Aaron Rodgers, the media attention that comes with him. You're in the Big Apple and you're on the hot seat. Because Robert Sala is going into year three. And with him going into year three, he has yet to make it to the playoffs. And this is the year that the New York Jets not only need to do that, but I'm pretty sure people are expecting them to do a little bit more than just make it to the wildcard round. And if he doesn't end up succeeding this year, this is probably it. Like, let's just be honest. They done missed on Zach Wilson. And normally when you miss on a quarterback in the draft, it sets you back a couple of years and it normally results in coaching staffs like robert sala who are young and haven't really been in the league all that long it tends to them end up getting fired because regardless you got to have a solid quarterback in this league and if you draft one you got to make sure he's good because if he's not you end up losing your job most times unless you're able to get a guy like aaron Rodgers. so for robert sala you know, this is a certain pressure that comes with coaching a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And at the same time, it's going to be a lot of pressure on him just for the fact that he has to perform. He needs this to work. Because what if Aaron Rodgers isn't the same player that we thought he would be? We, most of us, who are optimistic about the Jets, expect Aaron Rodgers to bounce back. And last year, was just an anomaly. Now, are the Jets probably going to get the Aaron Rodgers that won back-to-back MVPs? I don't know. But... With Robert Sala being the head coach, he probably is going to be able to get Aaron Rodgers motivated, and I want to see how he interacts with Aaron Rodgers because I don't really feel like Todd Bowles and Tom Brady last year really had good interactions on the sidelines. I didn't really see them talk all that much at all, and at least in my opinion. So when I look at Robert Sala, I want to see how he's going to handle the high expectations and all the media attention, and lastly. I got to see what the hell Zach Wilson is going to be doing, man, because this dude went through a lot last season. A lot. I mean, he got booed by the fans on Thursday Night Football. Do y'all remember that? And you got to remember that Zach Wilson went from dominating that BYU to struggling his last couple of years. And one thing about that New York media, it can really get to a guy mentally like Zach Wilson. This dude is young. So them drafting Aaron Rodgers isn't just for them to optimize their opportunity to win, but it's also to give them a little bit more time for Zach Wilson to improve. Let's face it, Zach Wilson was never supposed to start week one. At least he didn't look like he was capable of being a starting quarterback in the league, at least from what we've seen the last couple of years. So hopefully, Zach Wilson develops, and this is a good opportunity Somebody else who I almost forgot to mention is Nathaniel Hackett. This is a great rebound story. You know, they need to title this subheading or this subtitle for Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks featuring the Green Bay Packers, the rebound story. Because you remember Nathaniel Hackett? Nathaniel Hackett, we talk about what Zach Wilson went through. Nathaniel Hackett, man. You talk about somebody who had all the expectations in the world last season, and it just crumbled. And it did so fast and we got to see him on camera and we need to get some interviews from Nathaniel Hackett because last year he looked dejected when he got hired by Denver. The first couple of practices that they were showing on social media, he was full of nothing but energy. And even when things were not going all that great to start last season, when he was the head coach of Denver, he still had a lot of energy and optimism. And then as the season kept getting worse. And worse and worse, we started to see less energy out of Nathaniel Hackett. So, Nathaniel Hackett, this is a rebound story for him. And not just a rebound story for him, but a rebound story for Aaron Rodgers coming off that season that he did last year. So, we got to see Nathaniel Hackett on TV. We got to see Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers' relationship because everybody said Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett, they are really good friends so they should have great chemistry they should understand what each and one of them other want from one another so i want to see nathaniel hackett on hard knocks you guys think they're going to pay attention to an offensive coordinator i don't know if offensive coordinators have really been featured in the past but normally they do give the camera time to the guys who have like a lot of personality and nathaniel hackett has a lot of personality so this is my rant about the things that i'm looking forward to seeing on hard knocks i know they're not going to have all these players featured heavily but i would at least like to see a lot of joe titman and zach wilson the 49ers quarterback controversy man is something that a lot of people are still going to keep talking about until we finally get to see who ends up being the better quarterback for a legitimate span of time because I don't get why people can't understand that Brock Purdy simply is the best quarterback that the 49ers have on their roster. And this is why I want to take the time today to analyze the 49ers quarterback controversy, man, because I think the answer to how this controversy is going to play out is pretty simple. Brock Purdy's going to get healthy from that elbow injury. He's going to come in week one and he's going to pick up from where he left off last season, which was taking the 49ers to the NFC championship game. And you know what really gets me going? What really gets me fired up is when people like to doubt Brock Purdy and they like to use the whole ceiling argument. Well, they need to go with Trey Lance because Trey Lance has the higher upside. You know what starting Trey Lance over Brock Purdy does? It shows you that you're politicking and you know what politicking means politicking is where you don't start the better guy based off who's the actual better player on the field you start who you think has more upside or you start the other guy who isn't better than the dude behind him. and the locker room does not get behind that the locker room will severely be upset if brock purdy isn't the starter okay like trey lance okay he may need a little bit more time for us to show everybody what he's capable of but we've seen what brock purdy did last season he took the 49ers to the championship and everybody wants to discredit him talking about some man anybody could have played that way with the team he had around him well trey lance didn't and then people try to throw the argument at me well brock purdy was a four-year starter at iowa state and When Brock Purdy was in his final season at Iowa State, Trey Lance was on the bench behind Jimmy Garoppolo. He had plenty of time to not just learn the offense, but also get acclimated to the speed of the NFL. So he had a head start over Brock Purdy than anything, and plus, he was getting majority of the first team reps all throughout training camp last season. Remember, they had pretty much pushed Jimmy Garoppolo to the side and said, we don't even need you to come practice. And they had Trey Lance getting all those reps, all those first team snaps, and Brock Purdy was just in the back, not even getting the sniff of the first team, right? And then he comes in against the Miami Dolphins and ends up acting like he is a veteran and he's known these guys for years. Do you guys not know how difficult that is? A quarterback just doesn't go from being Mr. Relevant, which is pretty much a meme, to end up being the fourth string quarterback to inserted starter. In the middle of a really big game. And then he just comes out and looks like it's effortless. That's pretty much what he did because he was slicing and dicing Miami's defense. And he did this with no first team reps. Do you guys not understand how difficult that is? Come on now, dog. Come on, man. This man outplayed Trey Lance in two games and a half of football. And we mean to keep saying that, oh, well, we don't know how good Brock Purdy truly is. He isn't more talented than Trey Lance, the best quarterbacks that ever played this game. All, well, I'm not going to say all, but some of them have limitations. And although Brock Purdy doesn't have the physical strengths that Trey Lance possesses, He's good enough to win you games. We don't know if Trey Lance is good enough to win you anything. So therefore, the 49ers, to solve this controversy, should obviously start who the better guy has been on the field up to this point in his career, and that's been Brock Purdy. And if you think Trey Lance is better, you need to... Stop it. Get some help. Like you really do, man, because there's no reason why you can tell, why you should be saying any times that... Trey Lance should be starting over Brock Purdy as QB1. There's no reason why Brock Purdy shouldn't be starting for the 49ers this year. He's already proved to us that he's better than Trey Lance on the field. He's won the games. Brock Purdy should be the 49ers starting quarterback week one. And if you don't believe that, man. Stay off the weed. Seriously, bro. Because I don't even know how you can make an argument for Trey Lance starting over Brock Purdy outside of potential are the 49ers tanking or the 49ers trying to win a championship if they were tanking and they just wanted to say you know what we don't have a shot at winning the Super Bowl then okay they should go ahead and start Trey Lance because it just makes sense when you have nothing to play for but if you're trying to win a Super Bowl this year Brock Purdy gets you the best chance of that well JT you know defensive coordinators watch film okay and you act like Brock Purdy isn't getting better who get who right now has looked like the better quarterback for the 49ers trey lance or brock purdy brock purdy you talking about some well he hasn't had the amount of games that brock purdy has played in okay well let's compare what they did in their first two games who was better i think it was pretty obvious who was better and it was even more impressive that brock purdy did it on a short notice. That's the sign of greatness when you can just get called on in high-pressure situations and deliver like the way he did. He was their third-string quarterback, man. Their third-string quarterback. He was Mr. Irrelevant. Nobody was expecting anything out of him. Now, they do got Sam Darnold looming in the background. And let's say Brock Purdy isn't ready to go week one or something, unfortunately, does happen to Brock Purdy where he has to miss some time. The rumors floating around say that Trey Lance is behind Sam Darnold on the death chart. And I was going back and forth with one of my homies, Juice, and he was like, man, I don't know why they got Sam Darnold over Trey Lance. Well, I think it's pretty obvious why those rumors are coming out because Trey Lance hasn't been better than Sam Darnold so far. Now, both of them have been splitting the first team reps 50-50, but what the reports say is that if the season was to start right now, Sam Darnold would be the starter. I just don't think that Trey Lance is a good fit for the system that Kyle Shanahan runs I really think Trey Lance would be better off in a different opportunity because this is not a really great one and to be fair you know he did get injured he hasn't really had the time to really get significant playing action. He's one of those players that is only going to get better with more reps. But it's like the NFL is a performance-based business. And if you can't perform, you're not going to get a lot of opportunities. You don't have time to sit around and get better. Like most of these GMs, when they draft you, they expect you to be good right away due to how good Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert were. Nobody's really drafting a QB in the top five. For them to really sit for a year or two like if you get drafted in the top five top ten they want you to play and they want you to be good right away because if you're not people end up having doubts about you and if you don't have that same head coach the new head coach may not be all that big of a fan of you so we tie this back into the 49er situation with trey lance i just don't think that him and kyle shanahan are a good fit I think, you know, they got a little bit overzealous. I think they were dreaming a little bit too much about what he could be and maybe not seeing him for what he kind of was coming out, which was a developmental project. And that's the same label that people try to put on Justin Fields, but at least the difference with Justin Fields is that he had way more he had way more years of experience being a starting quarterback at a way higher level of college football. He would have been a better pit than Trey Lance. So Trey Lance right now, he kind of looks like a bust. So if you're the 49ers, you're better off just trading him, trying to see if you can get a six or seven round pick. And if not, you know, I mean, you could keep him around, but I mean, I'm pretty sure he's not going to want to be like a third string QB and watch Brock Purdy continue to shine. When you think about the expectations that he probably had and, you know, his dreams and aspirations to be the starter and you're just going to let him sit and, you know, being on the books for his rookie contract, I don't know, man. I feel like if you're Trey Lance in that situation, you may end up trying to force your way out. I don't think he would be thrilled with being like a third or backup option when he was a third-round pick. If he ends up doing that, that shows a lot of humbleness on his side. But for the 49ers, I feel like you got a diamond deep in the rough at Brock Purdy. I watched a lot of Brock Purdy when he was playing for Iowa. That dude is solid for real like when they got when they drafted Brock Purdy I said that was a perfect fit and I had him on my top 10 quarterbacks rankings people keep saying that a lot they keep saying oh you got Brock Purdy on your top 10 like Brock Purdy is a serviceable QB he's really good if you are asking him to operate the offense that normally is dedicated on the short and intermediate passing game which he does very well and he also is very accurate in the short intermediate passing game he's a good enough athlete where he can extend plays pick up yards with his legs but also he has really good ability to move his arm and throw his arm from different angles so i think that Brock purdy brings a lot to the table that a lot of people are overlooking so i expect rob purdy to be the starting qb i don't know too much about sam darnold honestly i think that sam donald is a capable backup maybe in the right situation like this one he can be a serviceable starter but i don't know maybe he could end up going off because this dude also was a high first round pick and sometimes when you link up these first round picks that haven't worked out with a a elite offensive mind they end up kind of flipping the switch you remember sean payton's final year in new orleans with Jameis winston Jameis winston had the best touchdown to interception ratio in the nfl at 14 to 2 and the saints had the best record in the division at 5 and 1 until he ended up getting injured so if sam donald ends up getting an opportunity i'm not saying that it's a guarantee that he'll go off but he may end up looking a little special with kyle shanahan having a magic touch but this is my thoughts on the 49ers quarterback controversy let me know how you guys think about it down in the comment section down below you know i can't believe there are still people overlooking brock purdy bro like what does brock purdy have to show you that he actually can play in the nfl like the small sample size that we saw last year at least to me was enough to show us that brock purdy can actually play you don't really know what his ceiling is. If his ceiling is taking the 49ers to the nlc Championship, then I think that's good enough. And he probably can get the 49ers way further going into his second season. Like Brock Purdy has some really good traits. He may not, you know, wild wow you athletically, but there's a lot of good things that Brock Purdy does. But if you haven't already, make sure that you leave a like on the live. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m eastern time also make sure that you subscribe to the channel turn on post notifications so you don't miss when we upload a new video and lastly rate the jt sports podcast five stars you can find us on apple and spotify all you got to do is go to whichever platform you like to use type in the jt sports podcast and it will pop up or you can go down to the description down below scroll down a little bit and you will find the links to the Apple and Spotify versions of the podcast. You know, I was drafting my fantasy football team a couple of days ago this past weekend, and I was really surprised when I saw somebody draft Anthony Richardson in round five, and that's not my first time seeing Anthony Richardson getting drafted that high. I saw Anthony Richardson get drafted as a QB 6-1 in league after Lamar and Justin Phillips went off the board. Like, a lot of people... Are really overvaluing Anthony Richardson in fantasy football this year. Now, I'm not saying that Anthony Richardson is going to be terrible. All I'm saying is that if you're going into this season with Anthony Richardson being your QB1 in fantasy football, you are playing a really, really risky game. You are. You're playing a more risky game than what I was with Jameis Winston being my starting quarterback in fantasy football for the last couple of years. And this is coming from somebody who had to start Lamar Jackson his rookie season. And the thing with Anthony Richardson is that Anthony Richardson is going to have some good games where he ends up having some performances that just blow you away and they end up helping you win your fantasy football league that week. But also, he's going to have a couple of games where he's going to end up struggling. And giving you less than 10 fantasy points. And then you're going to be screwed. And he can have way more of those performances where he has under 10 points than he has those performances where he ends up going off and give you like 25 to 30 plus. So I'm not saying that Anthony Richardson is going to be a bad QB because I know why a lot of people in the fantasy football community are taking Anthony Richardson this high because you remember how good Justin Fields was in fantasy football last year and we know that in real life if you're not good a lot of people are going to say you're not good but in fantasy football it's weird because a QB who may not be all that good in real life is good from a fantasy football standpoint and Justin Fields, he wasn't a good passer but when this dude decided to run the football, he was able to carry fantasy teams on his back. And this is coming from somebody who had Justin Fields. I was on the Justin Fields fantasy hype train before the season started last year. Now, it took him a while to get going, but that game that he had the first time they played the Lions, yeah, he was carrying. So I get why people are high on Anthony Richardson because you're thinking that Anthony Richardson, although he's not a good passer, he'll be able to account for his lack of passing ability with his legs. And his legs can generate a good amount of fantasy points, especially when you capable that and with the rushing touchdowns. And plus, it's not like he's not gonna throw no passing touchdowns. So you account that this is somebody who could go off and if he ends up hitting right out the gate. He could end up being a winner in most fantasy football leagues but the problem with anthony richardson is that a lot of people are just thinking about the highs that comes with him a lot of people aren't really accounting for his lows and his lows are really low like you really could end up having some games where you end up getting five fantasy points out of anthony richardson and that's very possible because I remember having Lamar Jackson, his rookie season, and his passing not Billy, being all that great. So it was like, man, like, I'm. you ever had your phone and you just refreshing your fantasy leagues, just swiping right and swiping right and just checking on the scores while you watching the game? So I was watching Lamar Jackson one time. Man, this dude ain't get a fantasy football point until, like, midway through the second quarter, man. Like, it was just awful. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. Now, I didn't have Jalen Hurts last year, but I know a couple of people who did. And even when they had Jalen Hurts, it was like, man, like, watching Jalen Hurts kind of is a drag because, like, the dude doesn't get a lot of passing yards. You got to account for his rushing ability. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, that's kind of been the trend in fantasy football. Like, those quarterbacks normally produce a lot of great numbers from a fantasy football standpoint. But the problem with getting a guy like Anthony Richardson is that his passing is probably not gonna be all that great and i'm not gonna say he's not gonna have any success at all but what i am saying is that i think he's really gonna be inconsistent this year and i don't really think you want the kind of anthony richardson inconsistency as your qb1 of fantasy football if you're really trying to win your league so let me know what you guys think about anthony richardson down in the comment section down below Anthony Richardson, like I said, I don't have anything against Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson is going to have a really good rookie season. My only concern with Anthony Richardson is just, you know, his inconsistency. And I don't think that Anthony Richardson has a lot of experience. And I think that his lack of experience probably is going to hurt him this year. But I don't think he's going to be garbage. Like, if you want to be risky and take that gamble with Anthony Richardson, go ahead. But... I think that Anthony Richardson is gonna have a lot of games that make you go, oh man, like what was I thinking drafting him this high? Like, Anthony Richardson is somebody you take a flyer on when you have a solid QB, and then maybe Anthony Richardson starts popping off and he can be consistent, then you go ahead and start him. But drafting him this early with the with training camp not even starting and not even seeing him in the preseason game is really risky to me. Now I was looking at the recent odds when it comes to who's going to end up winning the AFC North and the Pittsburgh Steelers are projected to finish in last place in the AFC North this year and I've been going back and forth with one of my homies Juice and he's been telling me that the Cleveland Browns are going to finish over the Pittsburgh Steelers in third place in the AFC North this year and I cannot see a world Where Pittsburgh ends up finishing last in the AFC North this season. And you're probably going to say, why do you say that, JT? I mean, like, are y'all more talented than the Bengals? Okay, I'm not a biased fan. I'm going to say the Bengals are more talented than us. Are y'all more talented than the Ravens? Yes, they are. What about the Browns? I mean, okay. Do you have a better quarterback than any of those teams? No, but I don't think Kenny Pickett's a bad QB. I think Kenny Pickett showed a lot of promise during his rookie season. I think that he got better in every single game, but okay, yeah, we do have the worst quarterback in the AFC North, but do we have the best head coach in the AFC North? Yes, you do, because do you know who we have as our head guy? We got Mike Tomlin. So as long as we have Mike Tomlin, I got a lot of faith that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to finish in last place in the AFC North. Now, I don't know who's going to finish in last place in the AFC North, but I just know it's not going to be Pittsburgh. So if anybody else ends up finishing in last place, talk about the other teams. And most likely, it's going to be the Browns. Like, I just don't trust the Browns. But when I look at Pittsburgh, though, instead of talking about could they finish in last place, I think they got a better opportunity of actually winning this division than they do finishing in last place. So I want to talk about could the Steelers actually win the AFC North this year? And they actually can. And you gotta remember, just because I'm a Steelers fan, I'm not one of those always overly optimistic fans that you hear during the offseason that always tell you that their team is going to win the Super Bowl every single year and they never do. I'm a realistic fan and I don't really talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers like that, you know, and when I talk about other teams, I am non-biased because I could easily, you know, make a lot of jokes and trash the Cincinnati Bengals and the Ravens, but I'm a non-biased fan. I'm just a fan of football, but I always love and support my black and gold. And this year, this is probably one of the most talented Steelers teams that Mike Tomlin has had in recent memory. The Steelers are going to have a really good offensive line this year. Do you guys know what they're calling Pittsburgh's offensive line? they're calling it the picket fence they got two really good offensive linemen from philadelphia they drafted broderick jones in the first round from this past year's nfl draft like do you guys know how much of a human wrecking ball broderick jones is like if you're a linebacker or a defensive back and broderick jones is coming at you he's probably about to annihilate you fam So the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have a really solid offensive line. And Kenny Pickett, like I said, I think he's going to be pretty solid this year. Okay, you can say he's the worst QB in the AFC North right now, but Kenny Pickett is going to play at a good enough level for Pittsburgh to be a really good team this year. And you got to remember, outside of his first four games, this dude didn't make any mistakes really ever. A couple of his other two interceptions were like rookie rookie mistakes that you normally see rookie quarterbacks make when they try to make a play that isn't there but outside of that you know Kenny Pickett was really good at winning games late when they mattered. You look at his comeback that he had on Christmas against the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, I was really impressed with how he performed during that drive and you know although he didn't really have the greatest game i feel like he came through when it mattered the most and that's a that's a big thing that i like about kenny pickett you know kenny pickett in the big moments last season if you watch every pittsburgh stiller game you know that it wasn't about how he started the game every time the game was on the line he came through and his play elevated so I think that there's a good chance that the Pittsburgh Steelers could win the AFC North this year just strictly based on the fact that if Kenny Pickett can build on how he played during the end of last season, I think that the Steelers are going to have a chance to compete with the Baltimores and the Cincinnati's and the AFC North. And then you look at the fact that the Steelers outside of QB, they're pretty good at nearly every other position. Like every other position you can say it's just as good or better than, you know, the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. You look at the Steelers receiving core, you trade for Allen Robinson, then you got George Pickens. And even if you're a Ravens, Bengals, or Browns fan, and you're listening to this, man, like you gotta give credit to the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiving core, man. Like which other team in the league develops wide receivers at the rate that the Steelers do? Nobody else, really. So I personally would take a George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Allen Robinson trio over Zay Jones, OBJ, and Rashad Bateman. We don't know if OBJ is even going to be able to stay healthy. And same thing with Lamar Jackson. We have concerns about his health. So when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiving core, yeah, you like what the Baltimore Ravens have done, but the Steelers are better when it comes to their wide receiving core. Now, Cincinnati... Okay, we know Cincinnati got it, but what about the Cleveland Browns? Outside of uh, Amari Cooper, we don't know who's going to be the second consistent option in the passing game for them. Now, they do got Elijah Moore, and they do also have a young receiver out of Tennessee that they drafted this year, and Cedric Tillman and Donovan Peoples-Jones could end up breaking out this season, but there's not really a lot of proven consistency there at their wide receiver position and for pittsburgh you also have a really good group of tight ends now pat firemuth is a guy who a lot of people have been high on ever since he came out of penn state and i think that this could finally be the year that he ends up being a pro bowler i think that he's going to be the safety blanket over the middle and third down situations for kenny pickett and when you look at the other tight end groups in this conference i think they're pretty good even though i think we would take pat firemuth over irv smith and David Najoku, I haven't really seen him shown anything ever since he was drafted in the first round. I mean, he's had flashes, but you know, not really anything that you expect out of a first round pick at the tight end position, you're expecting pop. And I haven't really seen any pop out of David Najoku. So I would take Pat Fyrmuth over David Najoku. And then Mark Andrews, I'm not going to take him over Mark Andrews, but I think Pat Fyrmuth is the second best tight end in the league. Well, in the AFC North, I mean, excuse me. So, when I look at the Steelers and what they have at their skill positions and at tight end, I think you can make the argument that they're up there in talent with any other team in the AFC North. And you look at running back with Najee Harris, Najee Harris has been one of the more productive running backs in the league. Now, I don't think he's a top five back, but I definitely think he deserves top 10 consideration. Najee harris ever since he's been drafted he's been nothing but consistent now last year wasn't really all that great due to the fact that the offensive line was probably the worst that has ever been in pittsburgh but i think that Najee harris still had a really good season in his second year there's a lot of running backs that fall off in their sophomore years and Najee harris he's also really good catching the football too so Najee harris i probably say he's the best running back in this division who in this division are you putting over Najee harris I mean, you ain't going to put anybody on the Ravens over them, even though they got a good group of running backs, but nobody on Najee Harris level, the Cincinnati Bengals, I'll argue that Najee Harris is better than Joe Mixon. And then Nick Chubb, okay, okay, okay. I'll I'll give y'all Nick Chubb. I'll give y'all Nick Chubb. I was messing up putting Nick Chubb over him. But outside of Nick Chubb, he's the second best running back in this division, and it's not really close. And some people may argue that he isn't too far off from being on Nick Chubb's level within the next couple of years. So the Steelers, from a personnel standpoint, with what they have in the passing game, they got plenty of weapons for Kenny Pickett to succeed this year. Now you look at their defense. Their defense. We already know that the Steelers have one of the best defenses in the NFL. You already got T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, who two are the be- who are the two best players on the defensive side of football at their respective positions. And then also, you have somebody who I feel was really underrated in his impact last year and Larry Ogunjobi. Larry Ogunjobi was really productive for Pittsburgh when it came to getting pressure up the middle. And I don't really feel like enough people give Larry Ogunjobi the recognition that he deserves. So the Steelers got a really good defensive line. You also got Alex Highsmith, who broke out last year. He had 14 sacks. And then you look at the cornerbacks that you bring in. Now, I'm not high on Patrick Peterson, but if he's playing in the slot, I think he'll be okay there. Joey Porter, hopefully he ends up being the dog. And then you got Levi Wallace, who pretty who is pretty good. And then you got Mika Fitzpatrick and Casey in the back, back end. So I think that the Steelers got enough talent to win the AFC North. Outside of QB, you can argue that Pittsburgh is up there with any other team in this division at most positions, like, Even that running back, it's not like Najee Harris is a bad running back. Like, he definitely could be considered a top 10 back. I don't think I'm tripping on that, but I'm just saying, the Steelers got a better chance at winning this division than they do than finishing last in the AFC North, man. Like, a lot of people are really overlooking the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, but, you know, it's nothing new because people are always overlooking the Pittsburgh Steelers every single season, I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers have been expected to do anything special ever since, you know, 2017. And then ever since 2017, that's where things kind of have not really been up there from the usual expectations that people normally used to have about Pittsburgh prior to those years. But I think that Pittsburgh has a lot of talent and this is one of the best rosters that the Steelers have had this year. So I think the Steelers could most definitely win this division. And I'm not the only person who said this. I remember a couple of other people who I've heard, even in the national media, who said that the Steelers possibly could win the AFC North. Now I wanna segue to this. The Texans or the Colts? Who's going to be better this season? Now, I got into an argument with one of my friends a couple of days ago, and he was saying that the Texans were going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year, and that Indianapolis was going to be the team to surprise people. And the reason why I think he kind of said that is because he's a Cardinals fan on the low, and he wants the Texans to be bad so the Cardinals can have another high draft pick. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I want to talk about why i think the texans are going to be better than the colts this season at 2023 now i get that indianapolis when you look at their offensive line it isn't really bad they just had a down year so you're hoping that shane steichen can come in there and get some of those guys back to playing at the levels that they were prior to 2022 and then you look at what they have at receiver they are a little bit better at receiver than what houston is But when you look at their quarterback situation, if they're starting Anthony Richardson, I think that's going to be a main reason why Houston ends up being better. CJ Stroud, he's going to be the more consistent quarterback, he's going to be the quarterback that's going to be more efficient. He's not going to be as streaky as Anthony Richardson, and I think he's going to have one of the better rookie seasons that we've seen in a very long time for some of the quarterbacks that have came out previously. And you got to remember that it was guys like Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, who had some concerns and doubters about them coming into the league, and they've been pretty well, so... I think that when you look at C.J. Stroud, I think he can come in and perform at the level that those guys did their rookie seasons. And I think he's capable of giving you like a Justin Herbert-like rookie season. I think he's that good. He has really good accuracy downfield. He also has more mobility than what we initially thought he had prior to seeing his game against Georgia. The only main issue that I have with C.J. Stroud is that I don't really think that he's good throwing the football on the run. So outside of that, like, I think that CJ Stroud right now is just a better quarterback than Anthony Richardson in every phase of the game outside of when it comes to the ability to extend plays and get outside the pocket and pick up yards with your legs. I feel like right now, Anthony Richardson is a better athlete than he is a quarterback right now so when you have a quarterback like anthony richardson at the helm you can't win games with that of course shane Steichen's is going to build a system if anthony richardson gets to start around that athleticism but even then like you have the miko ryans that you're going to be going up against who is a defensive mind and everybody questions you know are defensive minds good to have when you got a rookie quarterback but he got a offensive coordinator that was under Kyle Shanahan's staff and Kyle Shanahan has a pretty good coaching tree so far we saw how good of a play caller Mike McDaniels is so I'm pretty sure that the offensive coordinator they have for Houston is going to be perfectly fine with CJ Stroud and CJ Stroud is the kind of quarterback like you got to be really really awful calling the plays For C.J. Stroud not to be a good quarterback like C.J. Stroud should at least be a top 15 quarterback at worst so when you look at C.J. Stroud it's going to take a lot around him to not work for him to just be completely inefficient And when you look at Anthony Richardson, right, there's just going to be moments where he's just going to be inefficient because he doesn't have a lot of experience and he still has a good amount to work on when it comes to his passing. Now, he isn't going to be as bad as what a lot of people expect, but I think that Anthony Richardson is going to be one of those QBs that if he has to throw the football more than 18 times in a game against you, you're looking at that and you're licking your chops because the Indianapolis Colts are going to be in trouble. If Indianapolis is a team that gets down early and they got to start throwing the football and they got to abandon the run game like more than what they would like to, then Indianapolis is going to put be put at a disadvantage with Anthony Richardson because he's not that great of a passer right now in his career. Now, like I said, I don't think he's going to be bad. I don't think he's going to be dirt awful, but I'm just saying there's a certain level of inconsistency that comes when you have a guy like Anthony Richardson at quarterback. We saw the growing pains with Lamar Jackson, his rookie season. We seen them with Jalen Hurts, his second season, his first year under Nick Ceriani and Shane Steichen. And we saw that last season with Justin Fields so it's like you know these mobile qbs even though they have great potential to be dynamic dual threat qbs they normally tend to struggle the first couple of years into their career as they progress as passers so i think that it's going to take at least a year for anthony richardson to get to a consistent level where he's a respectable passer every single game so when i look at the houston texans them having the guy who's going to be more consistent at QB. I don't think their offensive line is that bad. I think their offensive line is pretty solid. And they got a really good running back in Damion Pierce. He was one of the best rookie running backs in the league last year. Now, he ain't nothing like Jonathan Taylor. But I think that Indianapolis is probably going to be a little bit more flashy than Houston. But I think Houston is going to be the more productive offense this year. And when you look at these defenses, now Indianapolis has a really good defensive line you got Quitty Pay. you got DeForest Buckner we also can't forget about Darius Leonard one of the best linebackers in the league but I don't really like their secondary I think their secondary is pretty questionable you got Julius Brent out there and he could end up going off but I think he could end up struggling at times he is somebody who is kind of a little bit handsy he is prone to get some pass interference calls there so I think when you look at the defense that Houston is going to have this year, I think they're going to have a top 10 defense. And you may be like, JT, you're crazy if you think that Houston's going to have a top 10 defense, man. Damn. But I think that Houston... Their defense with D'Amico Ryans being at the helm, I think is going to be drastically improved. You got a really good secondary. You got Jimmy Ward, Jalen Petrie. That's going to be one of the best safety duos in the NFL. You got Derek Stingley at cornerback. Like, he was held back by Lovey Smith in the system that Lovey Smith had him in last season. Plus, he had some injuries that he was dealing with. Now, I don't think their pass rush is going to be as good as what Indianapolis is. But you do have Will Anderson, who is a guy who's expected to come in and have at least seven to eight sacks his rookie year. Now, I don't think he's going to come in and give you... Nick Bosa as a rookie you hope he ends up doing that but I think he's more somebody who's going to come in and give you seven eight sacks as a rookie which I think would be pretty solid they also have Jonathan Gennard somebody who had a really good season in 2021 but last year he dealt with injuries and he was just held back by the lack of coaching and then I think that this linebacking core is going to be pretty solid you got Corey Littleton and Denzel Perryman Denzel Perryman has been playing some of the best football of his career Over the last two years, previously being a pro bowler not too long ago with the Las Vegas Raiders and Corey Littleton, I think he played pretty solid last year. So you got D'Amico Ryan, somebody who played linebacker, somebody who played that position at one of the highest levels in the league. I think that Houston's linebacking core is going to be pretty solid this year. And when you look at Indianapolis defense, you know, I really think they're going to struggle when it comes to their secondary. I think that. Houston, although they're not as talented as Indianapolis up front, I do give Indianapolis the advantage there. I think that they're going to be better at every single other position than Indianapolis this year. And I'm not just talking about single player performances. Like, we know what Darius Leonard brings to the table, but I don't think they have another good linebacker outside of him on their roster right now. So, overall, as a team, I think that Houston. going to be better than indianapolis i think that with the miko ryan's being a defensive-minded coach they are going to have the best defense in the afc south which is going to give teams like the jaguars problems anthony richardson is going to struggle if you know the miko ryan's ends up being able to implement everything that he wants to implement during his first year and when you got a defensive-minded coach and you're in the division with a lot of young QBs like Anthony Richardson. You're kind of licking your chops because Anthony Richardson is a guy who still is learning the game. So if you can throw like some really complex looks at him, you can have a game where he just ends up struggling, and you're the divisional foe, so you get to play them again. So you get an opportunity that if you're the Meeko Ryans, you potentially could have two wins if Indianapolis ends up being the week one starter because it's going to be hard for him being able to have success against the D'Amico Ryans coach defense that's going to be able to throw a lot of different things at him from a pre-snap standpoint. And then you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, I still think the Jaguars can win this division, but I think the Texans can end up being the second best team right behind them. You got a team that's going to be really good defensively, And I think for Houston, you look at the fact that you're going against a Jaguars team that they had their moments last year when they were armed, but they also had their moments where they were really streaky. And one thing about Trevor Lawrence is that sometimes he can start the game off a little bit rough. And when you look at that Houston Texans defense, like it's going to be able to get that Jaguars offense off the field. And this offense isn't going to be terrible. Like, this is going to be a pretty solid and serviceable offense. Like, they don't got a lot of playmakers at receiver like the Jaguars do, but I think they have enough to be consistent. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be able to win this division from Jacksonville, but I do think that they will be better than the Titans, the Colts. I don't think that the Titans and the Colts are going to be all that good this year. The Colts are going to have inexperience at QB. And you look at the Titans, I just don't think they got a good team, although they possibly could have a really underrated defense. And the Jaguars, you know, like, they're probably going to win this division, but behind them, I like the Texans. So when you look at the Indianapolis Colts, overall, it's like, you know, the Anthony Richardson experience is going to be a lot of inconsistency. It's going to be a lot of flash, but it's also going to be a lot of... uh, Anthony Richardson? Come on now, dog. Come on, man. So... I think the Texans are going to be better than the Colts this year. And for you Colts fans, I say, well, what if they start Gardner Minshew? I mean, I still would like the Texans to be better than the Colts, even with Gardner Minshew. I think Gardner Minshew is a serviceable starter, but I just think with how good the Texans defense is going to be this year, like that's going to be a large reason why they have so much success. Because when you have a young QB, like one thing that's kind of overlooked is him having a great defense that can bail him out. Like look at Kenny Pickett with the Pittsburgh Steelers last year He threw hell of interceptions during his first couple of games But the Steelers still had opportunities to win those games due to them being able to get the ball back to him And them saying hey like we got your back if you make a mistake So for the Texans man, like I think a lot of people are really overlooking this team man Like I saw somebody on Twitter the other day say that he thinks that the Colts possibly could be a playoff team I was like what? What? come on man stop it get some help like come on the Colts like if they end up making it to the playoffs I won't know what to believe anymore honestly you know the Arkansas Razorbacks last year they went seven and six now I thought that this team was going to be the biggest sleeper in the SEC last year and they weren't but they had a lot of things that they were dealing with they had injuries they also ended up losing two of their coordinators during this offseason. So I think for Arkansas this year, they're still capable of being the team that can win nine to 10 games. You know, I do like the fact that they bring in Dan Enos as their offensive coordinator. And turns out he actually was their offensive coordinator before years prior. And when Dan Enos was in his first stint as the OC for the Razorbacks, they had some of their best offenses and program history under him. And for the offensive talent that they have going into this year, I think it's pretty good. You know, one of the biggest concerns is probably going to be wide receiver. Now, you may be a little bit iffy on the offensive line, but Sam Pittman is a really good offensive line coach, so I think that he's going to have this offensive line plan better than what it did last season. Wide receiver, they got some really good receivers out of the transfer portal, so... When I look at Arkansas, from an offensive standpoint, your two best players are going to be Rocket Sanders and K.J. Jefferson, who is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. And one thing I think that is really underrated and not talked about enough when it comes to describing how great of a quarterback K.J. Jefferson is, is that this dude doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And when you got quarterbacks who not just are really good at, you know, throwing the football accurately like KJ Jefferson is and making plays with his legs and doesn't turn the football over, you're gonna be in a lot of close games. And last year, Arkansas only won seven games, but they could have easily won nine or 10 of them. You gotta remember, they barely lost to LSU. It was 13 to 10. They had that crazy upset delivery, Liberty, and then they got upset by Mizzou 29 to 24. But when you look at their schedule this year, though, I do think that there are some games here that they could get some breaks and they could have things go their way. But the biggest thing that we got to talk about for Arkansas, if they're even going to have a chance at winning nine, ten games this year, is this damn defense, bro. Like, this defense was awful last year. This was one of the worst defenses in all of college football and probably the worst defense in the SEC. Like, the defense that Arkansas had last season was unacceptable for a school in the SEC football conference, man. So, are they finally going to have a defense that's SEC caliber this year? Now, they do have a new defensive coordinator named Travis Williams. Now, I'm not going to question the hire. I'm just a little bit skeptical about it because I don't really think that UCF's defense was all that great. And I think they do got really good numbers, but they didn't really do anything good. When you look at what they were against the run, 84th in rushing yards per game allowed, 78th against the pass, like, I just don't think his defense was all that good at UCF, but I'm gonna give him a chance because Arkansas, they do have a really talented secondary. Um, you got Dwight McGluthern, who was a SEC first teamer. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the SEC. He had 14 past breakups and he also had four interceptions last season (laughs) my bad y'all you also got jaheem singletary jaheem singletary i went to high school with him aka slim he went to georgia he didn't really play his freshman season but this dude is like a jalen ramsey clone crazy size and amazing athleticism. So I think that he's gonna be an impact transfer for Arkansas and they're gonna have one of the best cornerback duos in the SEC this year. Now, I also think that you're pretty good at your other secondary spots. You got a really good guy from Baylor coming in at your slot cornerback position. And Hudson Clark was a first team all SEC performer last year. So defensively, the talent is there for Arkansas secondary to at least approve when it comes to how they played last year now their linebacker unit is really good i think linebacker probably is where they have the most depth and talent at on their defense you got chris paul jr who returns you also get us usf transfer antonio greer who was one of the better quarter one of the better linebackers in the american conference and last year he had that there was some injuries. But when he's on the field, this dude is a really good linebacker. And then, when you look at the defensive line, the guy who I'm the most excited about is London Jackson. Now, London Jackson, last season, he was coming in from LSU, and he played pretty well. He had three sacks, three and a half tackles for loss, 23 tackles. So I think that London Jackson is a guy who could end up breaking out this year. He has crazy athleticism for his size. I mean, this dude is 6'7", 269 pounds. So he's another athletic freak, just like how Drew Sanders, the linebacker that played for you last year, was athletic freak. So I think that their linebacker unit is really good. And I do like London Jackson. Now, I don't know how I feel about the defensive line they did get a good defensive tackle from missouri but i just don't really think they got a lot of great depth on their defensive line especially when it comes to their tackle spots but i guess we'll see but overall i do like their linebackers and i do think that they have a lot of talent at that position and a lot of depth if one guy goes down they should have guys who should be able to fill in at a serviceable level and i think that their secondary can also be pretty good but that defensive line i just don't know about it and offensively they're still going to be really good isaac tesla andrew armstrong were two of the more notable wide receivers that they picked up via the transfer portal who should have a good season i think this offensive line should improve this year And when you look at their schedule i think there's the possibility that they could win 10 games now they should go three and all three and oh before they play Texas a and or before they play LSU on the road, that LSU game could go either way. I don't think that LSU is at the level right now where, you know, they're going to be mounds and mounds more talented than Arkansas. I think Arkansas has a chance to beat LSU at home. You could beat Texas A&M, so I think that Arkansas is at least going to beat LSU or Texas a and during this stretch. Then you got to play Old Miss on the road and Alabama on the road, Mississippi State. Then you get a bye before you get to play. Probably the more lighter part of your schedule, you got Florida on the road, which is never easy, but Florida might not be that good this year. You got Auburn, FIU, and Missouri. So I think worst case scenario, seven wins. Now my actual record prediction for Arkansas probably would be eight or nine wins. I probably would go with nine i think 10 probably best case scenario will be like a dream year for arkansas given the fact that you got to survive that awful stretch of lsu texas a&m old miss and alabama so if they could at least win two of those games lsu a&m old miss alabama i think they would be in really good shape to win 10 games and really that's the only portion of the schedule where that probably could trip them up but I think Arkansas is being really slept on this year in the SEC, man. Like, Arkansas plays a tough schedule every year. And last season, they had some injuries that kind of held them back. So I'm really looking forward to watching the Arkansas Razorbacks play this year. I think that this is a team that probably could finish amongst the top four teams in the sec west this year i don't expect them to be a seven win team this year i definitely think with how this schedule looks this year they're capable of winning eight to nine games dan enos i think he's going to be a pretty good fit replacing the former offensive coordinator that they lost the tcu barry odom he's with unlv now his defense wasn't really that good anyway So I think Arkansas is going to be a team that is going to surprise a lot of people this year. But this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure that you guys go ahead, like the video, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And also make sure that you go ahead and leave us with a five-star review. You can find us on all podcasting platforms but you can leave us a five-star review on apple and spotify if you enjoy we're trying to get to 105 star reviews before the season kicks off both nfl and college football all you got to do is type in the jt sports podcast on any platform or you can go down to the description scroll down a little bit and there will be the links to the apple and spotify versions of the podcast i appreciate you guys tuning in remember that we are going live again at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time tonight with my guy College Football with Sam. We're going to be talking about Georgia's 3 p what happens if Michigan beats Ohio State for the third straight season. It's going to be a good time, so make sure you guys are back with me tonight for JT Sports After Dark at 10 p.m. Eastern Time.